Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 21 of Revelation chapter 16. We're going to be reading verses 17 and 18. And the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air. And there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne, saying, It is done. And there were voices and thunders and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such as was not since men were upon the earth, so mighty an earthquake and so great. And I'll stop reading there. So we see that the seventh vial is poured out into the air. In our last study, we saw how the air identifies with this earth or this world, as Satan is called the prince of the power of the air, in Ephesians 2, verse 2. And in three other places in the Gospel of John, he is called the prince of this world. And 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 so God is using the word air to represent the world or that which is under the power, the dominion of Satan. And and that is the target of the wrath of God as the vial was poured out into the air. And then it says, And there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne. And we know that this great voice coming forth from the throne of heaven is God's voice because God is the one who's seated upon the throne and he is the great king of kings and lord of lords and the two Greek words great voice uh, the word voice in, in the Greek is phone and the word translated the Greek word translated as great comes from megas it's megale uh, in this form and it's from megas phone that we get our English word megaphone. And not so much today, but uh, not too long ago, in order for a great crowd of people to hear a speaker, the speaker would speak into the megaphone. The police still use megaphones to uh, try and control crowds. And it magnifies the voice. Well, that's uh, that's what these words are saying. It's a great voice out of the temple of heaven. Of course, God speaks with a great voice. And we'll see later that the word thunder identifies with the voice of God. And we all know how loud it can be when when it thunders. It, it can shake you. It, it is such a loud sound. And and uh, so it's fitting that the word thunder identifies with the great voice of God. Then it, it goes on to say in verse 17, From the throne, saying, It is done. And uh, this, this is speaking of the seven vials full of the seven last plagues. They have been poured out. It is done. Now, this is not the same kind of word or idea as when 
the Lord Jesus went to the cross. And, and when he was on the cross, um, he refused to drink of, of the vinegar they were offering him. And, and then he exclaimed, it is finished. And, and he was speaking of the demonstration, the, uh, showing forth of the things that he had done in atoning for the sins of his people from the foundation of the world. And his whole life was a demonstration and especially that period from the Garden of Gethsemane to the cross. And then he said, it is finished. The demonstration was finished. But that is not um, the word that's used here. It is not a word that means finished or, or, or done in that sense. But this is a Greek word. It's um, a form of ginomai. It's Strong's number 1096. And ginomai is often translated as come or in past tense came. And this word is translated in J. Green's interlinear as happened. It has happened is how J. Green translates it. And, and I think the idea that it has come, it has happened, it has occurred is uh, correct. It's just indicating that God's wrath uh, has finally come. Judgment Day is here. It, it's not the sense that Judgment Day is over and done with and completed or finished, but it has come. And all seven vials are poured out. It is the day of the Lord's wrath. And as we we know from uh, so many places in the Bible. It's a prolonged day of judgment. It's not a single day in time, but it, it actually covers over four years of time, if we're correct. It covers 1,600 days. And then in verse 18 of Revelation 16, it says, And there were voices and thunders and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake. Now, this this language is almost typical for the book of Revelation. Uh, And I say that because it's used in a few places. For instance, in Revelation chapter 4, it says in uh, verses 4 and 5, And round about the throne were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices, just as we have in our verse in Revelation 16, lightnings, thunderings, and voices. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. So this is a a glorious um, image, a glorious representation of God's kingdom and his glorious throne and we we read of lightnings and thunderings and voices that are present. Also in Revelation chapter 8, it says in verse 5, And the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar and cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. So there we have the same four things that are listed in Revelation 16, 18. Voices, 
thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. Now, in the context of Revelation chapter 8, the seven messengers are going to sound the seven trumpets, and the first four will sound in chapter 8, and they will signal the judgment on the churches and congregations. And then the final three um, are identified with three woes, and, and that's the transition to judgment day on the world. But here, the language of God's judgment beginning on the church involves voices, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. In Revelation chapter 11, we read in verse 14, The second woe is past, and behold, the third woe cometh quickly. And remember, the woes line up with the trumpets. The second woe is past means the sixth trumpet is sounded. The third woe comes quickly. The seventh trumpet will sound. And and that's what happens in verse 15. And the seventh angel sounded. The third woe came. And there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats fell upon their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and wast and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and has reigned. And the nations were angry, and thy wrath has come and the time of the dead, that they should be judged, and that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants the prophets, and to the saints, and them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. And the temple of God was open in heaven, and there were seen in his temple the ark of his testament, and there were lightnings, and voices, and thunderings, and an earthquake, and great hail. So we have uh, four, uh, again, of the same things that are in our verse, plus great hail. And and by the way, the four um, things that are mentioned, the voices, the lightning, the thunderings, and the earthquake, the number four points to the universal nature of the judgment, or the worldwide scope of the judgment. It's It's upon all the earth. In the day of the Lord, it's a judgment against the whole kingdom of Satan, of every unsaved individual, all the unsaved inhabitants of the earth. And uh, Revelation 11, again, is uh, the time of the seventh angel sounding, and the three woes, the fifth, the sixth, the seventh trumpet, are all simultaneously speaking of judgment day, just as the seven vials being poured out in Revelation 16 are all simultaneously speaking of Judgment Day. And we can understand that each of these things, the lightning, points to the light of the Word of God going forth in judgment. The thunder, um, the thunders, uh, point to the voice of God's word going forth in the day of judgment and we could go to scripture but we've uh, since we've come across this so many times in the book of Revelation 
We have gone to Scripture to show and to prove these things before. The book of Job is a good place to turn to read about thunder in relationship to the the voice of the Lord or the Psalms. And voices. Voices is, of course, uh, they're coming forth from the throne. So it's the voice of God. But it doesn't say the voice of God, but the voices. And... And uh, that's because God is triune. And so the Father has a voice, and the Son has a voice, and the Holy Spirit has a voice, and yet they're all one. But uh, just as God uh, sometimes uses plural language to refer to himself, when he made man in Genesis chapter 1, he said, let us make man in our image, plural pronouns referring to himself, and yet he is one God, but it's also accurate to use the plural and say, let us, because it's it's the Godhead, it's the council of the Godhead, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that made man in their image. And, and so God um, can accurately use the singular case or the plural in speaking and referring to himself or his word and his voice. And and so it's the voices that are coming forth in the day of judgment. It's uh, We could understand the full agreement of the person of God within the Godhead. Is, they're all um, declaring the same truth. And, of course, that's always the case. Uh, there's never dissension, there's never disunion within the Godhead. They're all perfectly in agreement. The Father wills something, the Son carries it out, the Spirit goes forth to confirm it, or or whatever. The, the will of God is always a perfectly uh, in-line will with each person of the Trinity. All right, let's go back here, and it says in Revelation sixteen eighteen, and there were voices, and thunders, and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such as was not since men were upon the earth so mighty an earthquake, and so great, a great earthquake, that is taking place on the day of judgment, and of course we had thought. Uh, given verses like this and, and other scripture, uh, remember, uh, Revelation 6, where God speaks of an earthquake. In Revelation 6 and verse 12, and I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven fell unto the earth. And and so we uh, we recognize the sun becoming black or the sun is darkened as it's said in Matthew 24:29 when and when was that to take place immediately after the tribulation of those days and May 21, 2011 ended the great tribulation period. And so we had this verse in Revelation 6:12 joining together the darkening of the sun with the earthquake. And and we we had other scriptures, in, including Revelation 16, that spoke of a, 
a tremendous worldwide earthquake the world has never seen. And we had thought erroneously, well then on May 21, 2011, God will bring to pass a physical, literal earthquake, and through that, he will, he will bring about the resurrection of the dead. The earthquake will open the ground because we had assumed, as it had always been thought from, um, the entire church, all the theologians, all the teachers, all the writings of anyone who is faithful in any degree at all in all of church history believed that the believers um, would of course not go through judgment day that it was it was a question of pre trib rapture or post trib rapture or, or or things like that but but going through judgment day well no that was only for the unsaved god would take his people out of the world after all we were going to judge um the unsaved with god the bible says so how could we be um also involved in the judgment and and so given those um precondition uh, doctrinal thoughts and and that way of thinking that we could not go through judgment day on the earth as we saw there would be this 5 months period of judgment and we also were incorrect in thinking that would be literal so the mistakes we made were to understand the earthquake literally, the five months period literally as five actual months, and the idea that the believers would not be present on the world living on the earth during the day of judgment. And, and so all those mistakes really are connected to one another and and yet now we've learned well the 5 months is a figurative period of time to represent the duration of judgment day and extended prolonged period that very likely will be 1600 days and we learn the earthquake of course was not literal that's the first thing we learn because it didn't happen and and that's where um hindsight does come uh, into play and is helpful, but we we immediately know. Well, that's wrong. Well, is there another answer? And and we look at the Bible again, and we see a spiritual earthquake, just like the the sun was darkened spiritually, and we we knew that. It really makes no sense that we knew beforehand that the darkening of the sun and the moon and the falling of the stars represented spiritually the removal of the gospel from the world and and yet uh, here in this verse in revelation 6:12 god joins both the great earthquake and the darkened sun together so how could we understand the one spiritually and the other literally or physically it we we did not have good comprehension as far as that went but now we understand the sun is darkened spiritually, the earthquake was spiritual, the five months is figurative, and we see in many places it's always been God's plan to leave his people on the earth. That's why First Thessalonians 
speaks of those that are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord. And, and, uh, God says it twice. They're, they're left. That's what it means to remain. They've been left on the earth to go through that fire. And, and, uh, the Lord tells us that in Zechariah 13. In Zechariah 13, it says in verse 8, And it shall come to pass that in all the land or earth, that word could be translated, the Hebrew word translated as land, saith Jehovah, two parts therein shall be cut off and die, but the third shall be left therein. There, there are the elect. Here typifies the third part. In verse 9, and I'll bring the third part through the fire, and we'll refine them as silver is refined, and we'll try them as gold is tried. They shall call my name, and I will hear them. I will say, it is my people. And they shall say, Jehovah is my God. The third part is left, just as Isaiah 24, 6 says that the inhabitants of the earth are burned, and few men left. And many are called, few are chosen. The elect are left. And we are uh, alive and remaining unto that final day, the coming of the Lord, in in the sense that God lifts up his people in the rapture that are alive and remaining on the earth, and resurrects those that had died and their bodies had gone into the ground. Well, now we're getting these things clarified. They're straightening out, and we are gaining understanding and have been gaining understanding about them. And, of course, now, though, um, many that have been tested and put through this spiritual fire, they don't want to hear it. They they don't uh, want to even review it or check it out or go back over it. And it's just, oh, we were wrong. And 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 so so what does that mean? Well, let me go back to the world because we were wrong. Let me go back to church as though the Bible is not just overflowing with with scripture that indicates the church uh, age is ended and the churches are under the judgment of God and and what does it mean we were wrong you don't just say we were wrong and and go back to all former doctrine no you say okay well obviously we were wrong there wasn't a physical earthquake so what could it be in in Joel in Joel 2 it says in verse 10, The earth shall quake before them. And this is speaking of the army of God that's comprised of all his elect that are coming forth in the day of judgment. And so the earth quakes before them. The heavens shall tremble. The sun and the moon shall be dark. And the stars shall withdraw their shining. And Jehovah shall utter his voice before his army, for his camp is very great. For he is strong that executeth his word for the day of Jehovah is great and very terrible, and who can abide it? So God again ties the darkened sun with the earthquake, and as the the earth quakes before them, and and when we look at the language of the Bible, we find something very interesting concerning a great earthquake in Acts chapter sixteen. And in this chapter, the Apostle Paul and Silas have been put into prison unjustly, and and yet they've been locked up. 
they're under lock and key. And we read in verse 25 of Acts 16, And at midnight Paul and Silas prayed, and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Now Paul and Silas praying and singing praises to God at midnight points to a declaring of the gospel in a dark place. And as that prison was a dark place, and this world is a dark place, and it was right at midnight, in the midst of the great tribulation, that God sent forth his word in a dark place. And the prisoners, the unsaved, especially the prisoners of hope, the elect predestinated to receive salvation, heard the the worldwide declaration coming forth from the word of God at that time, the bridegroom cometh, as we read in the parable of the ten virgins in Matthew 25. It was at midnight that a cry was made. Well, then in verse 26 of Acts 16, it says, And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, waking out of his sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword, and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. This is about as strange as uh, anything could get, that there's a great earthquake, and we know what kind of damage a great earthquake can do. Even a tremor can can do all sorts of damage. But a great earthquake, a mega earthquake, a mega seismos, it, it, it can do tremendous damage. It can kill tens of thousands of people. It can level whole cities. And, and there's just, uh, all sorts of, um, uh, damage to buildings. But this great earthquake only accomplished, um, uh, certain things, very direct things. It didn't, uh, for instance, collapse the prison as earthquakes do, but, but again, the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loosed. It wasn't the doors of 90% of the prison cells and it wasn't the bands of 90% of the prisoners. It was all the prison doors and all the bands, which meant that all the prisoners were free. They could leave. They could um, their their bands, I guess, on their ankles were off, so they could walk to the the cell door, and the cell door was open, so they could go outside the cell door, and they could leave the prison. But the apostle Paul tells the 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 prison keeper not to do himself any harm, because we are all here. So not a single prisoner left the prison. Now, isn't that incredible? Isn't that amazing? Especially when we understand that God speaks of of men who are in prison to sin and to Satan. 
They're in the dungeons of the captivity, uh, spiritually speaking. And salvation is that which frees men. If, if the Lord set you free, you shall be free indeed. The gospel went forth, uh, and it's, it's typified by the jubilee that sets the captives free. And the, the, uh, great multitude were delivered in the second jubilee period that began in 1994. And now the final effect of it all at midnight, at the time of a great earthquake, all the prisoners are set free. That is, by May 21, 2011, when Judgment Day came, every one, every last one of God's elect was delivered out of their spiritual bondage. They were spiritually free. They had become saved. But none of them had left the prison. None of them had left this world. The Apostle Paul is is telling the prison keeper, we're all here, and and we are, aren't we? None of us were raptured. None of us were taken up into the clouds to meet the Lord in the air at that point of the great earthquake. No, we all are living on the earth. We're all alive and remaining. The The inhabitants of the earth are spiritually burned, and few men left. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.